can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. We have a bit more to talk about today. We, we do. We do. Because yeah, you, you sent me something last night, which was really uncharacteristic of you mm-hmm. because you sent it at like 11 p.m., which I'm always awake. Yeah. Why the hell were you awake? I'm telling you, Hannah, I've got a TikTok addiction. Oh. I can't get off it. <laughs> I literally, I'll go to bed at 10.30 and be like, oh, just have a look at a few TikToks. And then suddenly it's midnight. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. still away. How are you coping? Or are you just well, waking up later? Well, because I'm waking up later. Yeah. I'm not waking up till like 7.30, so I'm fine. But if I had to get up earlier, I'd be in trouble. So you sent me something last night. Mm-hmm. I-, I was just like amazing. And I started to read through the comments and I was like, oh. I couldn't believe that it actually came up for me specifically because we only just talked about this on the last episode. How good's the TikTok algorithm? I know, right? So the TikTok that I sent Hannah was this girl putting a like a plastic syringe without a needle on the end. So you know when the like just the body of the syringe, the plastic part. So she's got water in the syringe. She puts it in the top of her belly button ring hole and squirts it through. Piercing hole. Not through the Yeah, the piercing hole. Not through the belly. She actually the actual belly button. it into the piercing hole. Yeah. She yeah, she like stuffs it into the piercing hole and then squirts it out and all the water comes out the other side. So it flushes out the whole piercing hole. Oh, and we never God, thought to genius. It's genius. I think the comment said something like if you No, I sent you a comment which said every girl on here commenting my never smells is lying. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I was like, that is the truth. Because I think there was a 100%. comment that was like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. My piercing hole doesn't smell. And, it, oh, like, and then up. people were like, no, nah, <laughs> shut up. It does smell. You're lying. It absolutely <laughs> does smell. But anyway, if any of you are listening and are like, yes, I need to try that, just get yourself like an empty plastic syringe and do that through your belly button ring hole. Can we link the video in the episode? Yeah. Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. It's Mallory Fisher is the person. I'll just add the link to the episode notes and you guys can yep. go straight in there and watch it if you're interested. Anyway, what's on today's episode? So on today's episode, we are talking about blisters. Then we mm. have a fascinating guest. His mm-hmm. name is Michael Edwards and he is a fragrance taxonomist and founder of Fragrances of the World. And then, of course, the products I didn't know he needed. Cringy Convo today is pretty topical because someone sent me a DM the other day about blisters and it reminded me that we had said ages ago that we were going to do a Cringy Convo on blisters and then we didn't get around to it. Remember how you told that story about how you were on the Camino? Yes, yes. And I have, I've been thinking of other stories to tell. Can you recap me on that? Just because it's quite nice for me to hear. What? Oh, yeah. I, I like hearing blisters. these stories. Yeah. So on the, I did the Camino de Santiago is an 800 kilometer walk across France and Spain. And obviously you're, you're walking 30 kilometers a day in hiking boots and if you're susceptible to blisters you can actually get like medically 
serious blisters. Even if you're not susceptible to blisters, walking 800 kilometres is not normal. You would be sitting having like a wine in this like little village in Spain and someone would, you'd be trying to like eat some like tapas or whatever and you would like, they have special like volunteers to like help people with their blisters. And so someone would be next to you with like a volunteer like draining their blisters and you'd see people hobbling and you just knew that it was blisters. So I was thinking, you know, those nights and I'm sure many women will relate to this is you know when you go out and you like you have a few drinks and mm. you, and you're you're wearing the highest highest most uncomfortable heels and yeah. because you're like a little bit like numbed from the alcohol you actually don't realize how much your feet I get blisters all the time. Like I'm not kidding. Every pair of shoes I wear, I get blisters. I eventually wear them in, but. Yeah. If you're out on a night and you do like a big, like, I don't know if you've ever danced for eight hours in heels, Joe, but <laughs> I have. <laughs> I can't imagine that's your style, but. Yeah, I, I'm sure I, I have so at some point. What I usually do, and I did this at my, both at my sister's wedding and at her engagement party, I take my heels off and I just dance. Oh, barefoot. no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. do that. Oh, I don't yeah. do that. But that's when I'm starting to feel a blister come on from okay. the heels. Yeah. Right. So you just take the aggressor away by just removing the shoes. <laughs> Look, I'm pretty sure that I've taken my shoes off at a nightclub before. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend that, but I'm I, pretty Like sure. I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm just not. <laughs> no, 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 not nightclubs, but I definitely have taken shoes off at like 30th. At the races? Mm, yeah, I think may, maybe. I've, I've never been captured by the Daily Mail at the races. So that's a that's a win for Hannah. Remember when um, those Jeffrey Campbell shoes were really in? Do you remember those shoes? You might be outside of the age bracket, but like there was a time when they were really cool and they gave me the worst blisters. But I do have a traumatic story, which I'll just never forget. And I think I still have a scar on my leg from it. Yeah. So I went to this red carpet event eight years ago now. And I bought these new Steve Madden heels and they were like a patent leather. And Mm. the strap was too tight on my ankle, but I had a gown on and I couldn't bend over to adjust the strap. And so the whole night, this strap was digging into the side of my foot and I could feel that it was like cutting into my leg or like creating a blister or something. I don't know what it was doing, but it was really painful. I ended up taking the shoe off when I got back to my room and the whole shoe was like filled with blood. And I had like this deep cut from where the um, strap had been cutting into my foot. And I'm not kidding. I had this cut in my leg for months. It was so deep and painful. So I guess that wasn't really a blister, but like it was a traumatic experience from heels. But it made me wonder why we actually get blisters because I feel like we wear tight-fitting things on other parts of our bodies and we don't get blisters. Like why just on our feet? I don't actually know. You would actually (laughs) think that your your feet are more like because they've got really tough skin. Yes. That's probably why I didn't get any blisters on the Camino because my feet are like. Because your feet are so tough. <laughs> they're so. They're, the I thought from so having big. your pedicures and having them do the cheese grater thing that they would have been worn down. I'd been traveling for three months. I hadn't had a pedicure in a while. Oh, okay. That's probably why then. You did yourself a <laughs> yeah. favor. So apparently the fluid collects under the upper layers of the skin and the layers below the skin. So it forms like a cushion. Yes. And that helps to protect it from further damage and allows the skin underneath to heal. So apparently that's why Ah. it happens. So it like identifies that there's friction or something happening to the skin on the top layer. So it puts that cushion there with the fluid 
to stop you from creating further damage. Look, it makes sense that your feet take all your weight. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. that you're like, yeah. and especially on the Camino when you've got eight to 10 kilos on your back as well, like a backpack, yeah. that yeah. you're adding like all this weight to your feet. Makes yeah. sense. And I also wondered if you were meant to pop them or not. Have you ever popped a blister? Um. Oh, my God. Can we just talk about that meme that was sent to us? No, it wasn't a meme. It was a photo from a meme account. Yeah. With the tic- the Tic Tacs in the blister. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes, we have to share that as well. Someone at work, um, Christine, she tagged me in a post and it was like someone's popped blister and they, like, put Tic Tacs into the Inside under the skin. The, it was <laughs> even, even Joe was like, oh, my God. Like, did yeah. you enjoy that or did yeah, you I think did that was enjoy gross? it, but it was oh. also a bit much at the same time. <laughs> You've, there's got to be a line somewhere. <laughs> it's got, yeah, totally. So obviously you're not prone to blisters, but mm-hmm. I am. And a listener actually sent me a DM the other day and said, I thought I'd mention a Holy Grail product for prevention, the Compede Blister Stick. It's a chapstick mm. style product that you swipe on like a lip balm where your shoe is rubbing and it stops the blister from forming. Wow. I've never heard of this thing in my life, but we need it. That sounds really good. It does sound really good. I know that Compede, I think, do um, cold sore stickers. <laughs> what are they called? Yeah. What you put on a cold sore, but I think they also do them for blisters. And now they've got some kind of blister stick. Amazing. So if this is another milky foot situation, Compede, please yes. send us oh my the gosh, blister stick. Please do. And we will try it out. We, I will go dancing for eight hours and test it out for you. I'm just so surprised that you don't get them. I thought that was just everybody got them. Oh, uh, I just, uh, I think the Camino really showed me that like my feet are pretty tough. They can yeah. stand quite a bit. Because I'll go to an event for work and be standing up for like two hours and I'll have blisters. I have to be on my feet in heels for a good like six hours to start wow, getting the blister. That's pretty amazing. I think my feet, the skin on my feet might be thicker than yours. <laughs> yes, I think it might be. I might be wearing <laughs> yeah, mine down with liquid gold. So <laughs> that's yeah, probably that's my bad. true. That's true. <laughs> I feel like this episode has been in the making for a very long time. Hannah and I have wanted to talk about fragrance for a very long time, but neither of us are experts. So we've brought the expert onto the show. Michael Edwards joins us today. Welcome, Michael. Hello, and thank you. It's good to be with you. Michael is a fragrance taxonomist and founder of Fragrances of the World. <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael pioneered what we call the fragrance wheel. So this revolutionized the way that we understand fragrance families. And I wondered, Michael, if you could tell us a little bit about how you developed the concept of the fragrance wheel and what it actually is. Well, firstly, thank Thank you very much for being so complimentary. I'm not sure that I can, um, I'm really sort of the fund of all knowledge. I am fascinated by the problem in finding fragrances that people will enjoy. That is my area of speciality. I'm not a perfumer, technically. I'm an evaluator, which means that um, I evaluate the fragrance, I classify the fragrance. But what has fascinated me and what led to the development of the fragrance wheel is the fact that most everybody finds it so difficult to find a perfume that they're going to enjoy. Uh, It's not surprising. There were over 3,000 new perfumes introduced last year. Imagine that, over 3,000 new perfumes. One goes into a store, you smell this, you smell that, you smell that. Mostly after three or four fragrances, one senses that one's nose is tired. You don't want to smell any more. Frustration is the problem. Add to that, Hannah, Joanna, is the problem that we have no common language in perfume. 
What is lovely to one person could be horrible to another person. There's no common language there. And so with the explosion of frequencies, with the confusion of language, it's a real problem. I, I'd remind you of what Allure magazine said, trying to find the right uh, frequencies, almost as hard as trying to find the right partner. <laughs> we can relate. <laughs> and, and so I had become intrigued by this problem. I came from corporate marketing. I was working at one time for Holston when Holston was a great brand with Sony frequencies like that. I think the first workshop I ever went to was in 1975. It, it was a whole new world to me. Suddenly I was exposed to the different frequency families. And before anybody says, well, what's a frequency family? It's no different to a family in any other category. For example, in wine. You have the families of Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc and Shiraz. And so in fragrance, we have the families of florals and orientals and woody kind of notes there. And the reason that the families are important is that if you ask somebody for the names of their favorite perfumes, and you get three or four names, invariably, and I really mean invariably, at least two of them will fall into the same family. Now, I know you're going to ask me, Helen and Joanna, why? And the answer is, none of us know why. There are many theories, but there's actually no proof as to why one person prefers a floral and another prefers an oriental. We just know that it happens. It doesn't mean to say that you won't like maybe one or two fragrances from another family, but you will find that your key preference seems to be for that family. And so back, ooh, now, 36 years, 1984, um, I set out on my own to promote the idea to the perfumers, the department stores, that it's actually not difficult to help customers find a new fragrance. The key is to find out the family that they prefer. Once you know the family of fragrance that somebody likes, you can use the guides which classify them into the various families and come up with two or three new fragrances for them to try. In other words, taking the hit and miss out of it. I had never intended to create a guide of my own. The problem was, though, that back in the early 1980s, there were only two guides available, and both of them were so technical that it's difficult for anybody who's not a perfumer or an evaluator to really use them. And that's why I created my first guide. In the wheel, I used the classical background, the perfumers, the French society perfumers, American society perfumers, uh, classify fragrances into florals, oriental, and woody notes. I added the fresh notes. Uh, I did that because the perfumers were ignoring the citrus notes. For them, the citrus perfumes were just simple eau de colognes. For me, though, in 1966, Christian Dior introduced Eau Sauvage, and its, perfume, its perfumer, Edmund Rudnitzka, literally had transformed 200 years of creativity to come up with the first tenacious yet fresh eau de cologne there. I did a few other things. The perfumers technically classify green fragrances as a subnote of florals, which is lovely if you've got something like Pleasures, which is a floral with a, a light green accent to it. But imagine if I give you a fragrance like Alliage, for example, or Eau de Campagne by Sisley. It almost smells like freshly cut grass. And to many people who like florals, it's so aggressive that though they don't like it, so I put those into a new family. On my wheel, you see the evolution of families. Florals, with the addition of aldehydes to spark them and soft powdery notes, turn into soft florals. 
add the spicy notes of an orange flower, for example, and sweet spices, you'll turn it into a floral oriental. Add then incense notes and amber and you get a soft oriental. Pull out your bells and whistles and you've got something like a true oriental. And so that's how the wheel developed. I've taken far too much time and you've been very kind to listen to me. I know. I could <laughs> listen to you talk about <laughs> fragrance all day. Like I found that really relaxing. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> For those of us who aren't fragrance experts, can you give us a bit more of an understanding of the top notes, middle notes and base notes? Because when I see this on our website, I'm like, I have no idea how to interpret what each of those things means. Okay, no problem at all. It is the volatility of the notes. Your top notes are the notes that you're going to smell when you first finally spray the fragrance on your skin. Because they're so volatile, they leap off. Examples would be citrus notes are very volatile. Uh, on the other hand, if you're looking for a musk note, that's not volatile at all. It's like it's anchored to the floor on that one. So you're probably not going to smell it immediately. So the top notes are the most volatile of the essential oils in any perfume. Then you get the heart, which is really the theme of a fragrance, just as a theme of a piece of music. It's what makes you remember it. And that's usually composed of more balanced, still volatile, but not quite as volatile as the top notes. And then the bass notes are the least volatile, and their job is to anchor the heart notes. Uh, think of them as being on your um, music uh, system where you turn up the bass. They're the bass notes of perfume. So I had a question around, and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, Michael, about people being drawn to a specific fragrance family and maybe not liking others. And you suggested that there wasn't any evidence, um, you know, to say that certain people are drawn to certain notes. I really specifically like woody perfumes. Do you find that if someone has a preference towards those that they struggle to kind of move out of that fragrance family or are there fragrances on the market that maybe feature base notes, middle notes and um, top notes from all different fragrance families to kind of meet the needs of <laughs> someone that no, lo- is really if specific? you did have something like that, you'd have a stew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure you could do it. But whether you'd enjoy the result, I don't know. It sounds like a real muddy <laughs> mixture. <laughs> we find that people will tend to have a preference for one or two of the families. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean to say that they may not find a fragrance in a quite different family that they like. They may well do that. But the fragrances that they've instinctively tried and continue to wear, we find that at least one family seems to hold the key to that one. Yeah, yeah. I think smell is one of those senses that's so hard to communicate and everybody interprets it differently. It's so strange to me. Like you can see things and you can communicate things, but smell is so unique. I often remember things just from smelling a fragrance that I wore at a specific time. You know that one sense of smell is in the same place as one sense of memory. Oh, is that right? The olfactive area. That is why fragrance has the memory. Okay, yes, that makes a lot of sense because I have a really shocking memory, but if I smell a fragrance that I was wearing at a specific time, I can remember exactly what I was doing. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> My um, favourite fragrance that it, it took me 31 years to find kind of the fragrance that I was like, yep, this is the one. It's Juliet Has a Gun, Not a Perfume. 
And it's actually one of our best-selling fragrances at Adore Beauty. I think it's a molecular perfume, so it, it's made of Cetalox. How does that actually work and does that fit in with the fragrance wheel? Cetalox is, as you say, a molecule. It's a smell, but it's not a perfume. Now, does that make sense or not? <laughs> well, it's called yes. not a perfume, so I assumed well, it was of course it is, but by definition, a perfume is a composition. The essential oils are the building blocks to make that perfume. Romano, though, likes very much scents that, I won't say are simple, but they're singular scents. And what you have here is a molecule, a synthetic molecule, which has a very woody kind of note. Mm. Now, you're responding to the woodiness of that synthetic molecule, but it's a singular scent. It has no depth it has no lightness, it has no top notes, it has no bass notes. Its role is to combine with other scents. Yes. But in the perfume that Romano's created here, it's on its own. Right. And can you use it to layer with other perfumes to enhance their fragrance? Of course. That's, that's one of the okay. beauties of those because you're adding a woody character to any other perfume. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, now, we've learnt in our trainings with other fragrance brands that there are certain mistakes that people make when they apply perfume. So can you tell us what the best way is to apply your perfume? Are there some common mistakes that we're all making when we put our perfume on? Oh, number one, you know, perfume is for pleasure. Don't worry too much about <laughs> the rules. But if you want to be more exact, because you want perfume to radiate from your skin, it's best to apply it where the blood is closest to the surface. So if you look, for example, at uh, your wrist, you'll notice just at your wrist there, you can see the, the veins close mm -hmm. to the surface. So that would be the warmer place. That would be the best place to put it. Um, at the nape of your neck would be a good place. It's where the uh, blood circulation is the closest to the skin and therefore it's warmest. Uh, whereas one very good place would be behind your knees. It yeah. sounds weird, but in fact, scent rises. Whereas if you put it behind your ears, maybe the angels will smell it, but your partner ah, won't. Okay. Behind the knees. I've never thought to do that. Is there any truth to um, spraying a perfume on your wrist and then when you smudge them together, is that bruising the fragrance? I've heard that phrase thrown around before. Well, tell me, why would you want to bruise it? For example, if I invited you to dinner and served you this delicious meal and you took your knife and fork and you splashed it all together on your plate, <laughs> <laughs> would you enjoy the food? That's exactly what you do when you spray fragrance on the two wrists and, <laughs> and mix it all together immediately. You lose the development, the pleasure of the fragrance. Okay. All right. That's good to know. So we just spray on each wrist and don't touch them together. Absolutely. Just let it enjoy the pleasure of the top mm -hmm. notes, which then evolve into the heart notes. Do you have any tips for choosing fragrances online? Do you, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we do fragrance finders around the world for many retailers. And this is a way where you put in a question. It'll say, tell me a fragrance that you like. Mm -hmm. you type that in. And boom, we'll come up with the three recommendations from the selection of, of fragrances stocked by that retailer. Mm. Uh, if you are looking for more, have a look at my own site. It's called fragrancesoftheworld.com. Have a look at the Fragrance Finder. You'll see the heading there, Fragrance Finder. Play around with it. Put in a fragrance that you like and see what other ones 
are coming up. Uh, this is not connected to any retailer or to any brand. We change the fragrance selection uh, quite frequently. Sometimes we're just choosing fragrances that have just come out on the market. Yeah, that's a really good tip. I did have one last question for you, Michael, which you may or may not want to answer, but I figured you would have smelt so many fragrances in your life. I was keen to know what your favourite fragrances are, maybe your top three fragrances ever. Okay. No, with pleasure. I enjoy talking about that. When I first went to Paris um, in 1967, I bought two fragrances there. One was Eau Sauvage by Christian Dior. The other was Abbe Rouge by Guerlain. I still love Eau Sauvage. Jo Malone once says it has the smell of money, so you must remember it's for older <laughs> Abbey Rouge, unfortunately, has changed. I, I, I love it. My wife's very glad it's changed because she never liked it, so I could only wear it when <laughs> I wasn't with her. But those two remain things. Of the new one, one that will surprise you, have you ever smelled Feminity du Bois by Serge Lutens? No. no. Uh, it's an extraordinary one. It, it's one of the most crucial woody notes of the 1990s, the smell of sandalwood. Uh, oh. slightly warming in the sun with a slightly fruity undertone. But when it was introduced at the Salon in Paris, they created four fragrances that had been inspired by it. One was called Violet Wood Bois de Violette. And that, I think, is absolutely amazing. What else do I like? Uh, Terre d'Hermes. I, I think that that's a remarkable fragrance there. But it may surprise you, much as I'd like to wear these fragrances, because I'm smelling so much, mm. um, I probably mostly just wear a simple eau de cologne. Uh, it can be as, as great as uh, 4711, or as fresh as Jean-Marie Farina, or the Dior, uh, or, or the um, Guerlain one, eau de cologne imperial, any of those. I, I guess if you had to push me and say, what do you really adore? I'd have to say the citrus notes, the plain eau de cologne. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see your fragrance collection at home. <laughs> your wardrobe of fragrances, I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. If you want to try and find your fragrance, you can head to Fragrances of the World um, or you can use Michael's fragrance wheel to try and find what you might like in a fragrance. Thanks for joining us, Michael. It's great to chat to you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to speak to both of you. If you want to shop any fragrances on Adore Beauty, we have a luxury fragrance section, which is called the Scent Room. Hannah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you buy a full-size fragrance and you get yes. a sample vial with it. And then when you yes. get your perfume, you can smell the vial. And if you love it, you open the full size and you keep it. And if you don't love it, you can send it back. Yes, that's exactly right. It's actually um, a really convenient way it to is. shop. It's a convenient way to shop fragrance, especially if you haven't smelt something before and you're not sure if you'll love it or you've you know, wore something five years ago and you've decided that maybe you want to try it again. But yeah, that's the scent room promise. So head to Adore Beauty to shop fragrance. I got my makeup professionally done on the weekend for no reason at all. I got my makeup done on the weekend with the makeup artist Talia and it was just for fun and I actually was possibly had a date on 
but I had cancelled it because I was so bloody tired. Why are we tired? I, I am always tired at the moment. I think tired enough to cancel a date. I'm always tired enough to cancel a date. Okay. I was. <laughs> I've just given up to be honest. Like I've just okay. given up on on everything in general. You so, okay? <laughs> no, I'm totally fine. I just I'm just sick of, I'm sick of working from home. <laughs> We've lost it. <laughs> I've lost I've lost the plot. So anyway, so she came and did my makeup and what I did was I actually was filming it as she was going because I actually was under the false pretense that I'd be able to recreate the look myself. Yeah. I never will be able to do that. But anyway, Absolutely I did not. it and, and I was getting like lots of little tips from her about because I've got like hazel eyes and if I wear mm. the right eyeshadow, it brings out the green in my eyes. Yes. What I didn't know was that purple undertones bring out the green in your like hazel eyes. So if Mm -hmm. you have like hazel colored eyes and you've got like, you know, a little bit of green in there, it'll really bring out the green. So she used an eyeshadow, which I'm about to purchase from Adore Beauty. Um, I haven't got it yet because I want to do a whole makeup order with all the stuff that she used. It's the MAC Cosmetics eyeshadow. It's those like single eyeshadows. You know, Mm -hmm. like the little like black round one. And Mm -hmm. it's in the shade Swiss Chocolate. Okay. It's a matte muted reddish brown. But it had like a purple undertone to it. Does that make sense? Kind of. (laughs) You saw the video of the eyeshadow. It like it looked kind of purpley. I think it just looks warm. Oh, well. I don't know if I would have said purple. Well, the makeup artist, she's the expert, not you. Yeah, she, exactly. said it, exactly. she said, take her word for it. She said it had purple undertones. And now that I like zoom in on it, it does have, like you can't, t- it doesn't look purple. It looks brown. The lipstick she used was Honey. I think it was Honey Love, MAC Honey Love. I love Honey Love. That's a good one. It's a good nude. She did like a really 90s look where she did like dark brown lip liner on the edge, mm-hmm. outside edges and then used a like lighter lip liner. It was like this ombre it was like my favorite makeup ever. Yeah, it did look really nice. And it was like the lashes. Oh my God. It was just Yeah. Everything. Don't you wish you could get your makeup professionally done every day like Kim Kardashian? Sometimes I just wish I could go into glam. I mean, and- if I had to choose between like living in Thailand and getting my makeup done every day, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Which would you choose? <laughs> I choose living in Thailand and never doing my makeup again, to be honest. Oh, really? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I like a bit of a mix. Okay. <laughs> I like a special occasion full glam. Yes, so do I. I wouldn't wear makeup every day, but it would be nice if someone just did it for me. I just love sitting there. It's like really relaxing. It's yeah, so, it's it like is relaxing. so nice. I never know what I'm going to come out looking like though because so many makeup artists have so many different techniques and sometimes I can just look like a completely different person. Well, that's what my dad said to me. I sent in a photo to like the whole family and he's like, that's not my daughter. <laughs> I think he was being complimentary, but he was like, it doesn't even look like you. And I'm like, well... What do I look like usually? Yeah. I mean, you lot. probably shouldn't go on a date then if you don't look like yourself. That's almost, that would be considered catfishing. I actually was like, this is, you can't go on a date with that kind of makeup because I did look like a Kardashian. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that I look like a Kardashian, <laughs> but the makeup was very Kardashian-esque. <laughs> yes. Why couldn't you go on a date like that? Just because the next time you went on a date, they'd be like, who are you? Well, I think I think it would just be misrepresenting myself. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Now, what is your product? Um, so my product is a candle. So we started stocking this brand. It's called Mason Balzac and it is a very bougie brand. It's the kind of brand that you would find, imagine you were in the south of France 
and you walked into like a lifestyle store that has like, you know, homewares and stuff, this is the kind of brand that would be in there. So the candle that I've chosen is called 1642. So this Mm -hmm. candle is a woody floral. So as I mentioned in our interview with Michael, I like woody fragrances. I like things to smell masculine, but this one is woody and floral at the same time. So I find it really fresh. It's got notes of violet, blackberry, and cedarwood. And it says it's, what is a Venetus painting, Hannah? Um, Inspired by a 17th century Venetus painting. Venetus, a still life artwork, which includes various symbolic objects designed to remind the viewer of their mortality and worthlessness of worldly goods and pleasures. Okay. (laughs) That is a very existential candle, I've got to say. That is like... That's It'll make you feel things <laughs> that you didn't know you could feel. I feel like that's the kind of candle that I need in my life. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful candle. It's I just feel like it smells really clean and fresh. It just makes your space smell attractive is how I would put it. That's my best explanation. I don't know how to further describe it to you, but I really oh like it. Oh, my God. I actually can't deal with this Venetas thing. Sorry, I want to read that. I'm just looking on Wikipedia now. Yeah. It says, a Venita is a symbolic work of art showing the transience of life, the futility of pleasure, and the certainty of death, often contrasting symbols of wealth and symbols of ephemerality and death. I mean, that is an intense candle. Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) So I want to make sure the candle sums up the following. Transience of life, the futility of pleasure and the certainty of death. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I just didn't know how to say it. In my words, it smells nice. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Interesting. I really love that. That's a cool candle. Yeah. had dinner parties that is a dinner party conversation starter yeah like guess what my candle means <laughs> and, like, and you're like well let me tell you and you pull out like the history <laughs> excellent I, I think the only thing that I wanted to say is that Joe and I are both getting our first treatments done with James Vivian oh, today I can't wait so James Vivian was a guest a couple of weeks ago and I wonder if he can do all my blackhead extractions for me. That's really, that's that's what I need. If he does, can I watch? Yes. Because we're going together as like a couple's experience. So <laughs> if you get that done, I want to watch it. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, like, by the way, I look like a total, like, um, what's the word? She's trying to warn me that she doesn't look like herself. She's trying to prepare me and I just think she's going to look exactly the same. Yeah, but. I saw you two weeks ago. No, I've, I've lost a bit of confidence in I, so I'll be honest. I'll We're going to be fine. We'll come out of this together. It's going to be oh. fine. <laughs> Will I? Do you know what I was thinking the other I actually was thinking this today. I saw some people like were back in podcast studios and I was like, I feel like maybe we'll lose it if we go back to the studio because we'll have to relearn how to do this I know person. and how to interact with each other in person. I'm like, I'm going to have to look at you in the eye and I feel like it might be really awkward. Like I haven't Why? seen you why? I haven't seen your face in so long. Like we're gonna have to sit across from each other and like connect in person. And like I'm yeah. just used to you calling me and like us doing this remotely. Yeah, I think it's gonna be an adjustment. But you know what? We made the adjustment happen when this first I know. all unraveled. Oh my so I think we can do it. Totally. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, if the podcast doesn't come back, it's because we couldn't make it work. <laughs> Bye. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.